Good morning, St. Luke. I hope this recording finds you well on Sunday, April the 26th. I cannot believe it's already the end of April, and we have not seen each other in well over a month now. Um, I hope that that will change very soon. I know I say that every week, Um, but I do picture each of you every day and pray for each of you every day, and I I genuinely... um, care about your well-being, both mentally and spiritually and physically. So please know that you are in my thoughts and prayers every day. Um, I also have been giving a lot of thought about the future of St. Luke and and ways that we can come back and be an integral part of the neighborhood. Um, I, I think it's pretty exciting. Um, other than the global pandemic, um, it's, it's kind of making room for opportunity, and that that makes me excited. So, again, we gather together over a recording this morning, and if you would like to join me in prayer, I would like to le- uh, lead us in prayer. Let us bow and pray. Gracious and loving God, we are still moving through a season of uncertainty and confusion and angst. And the hard thing is that that's kind of mixed in with this peace and stillness. There's a real sense of life blooming and blossoming all around us, even though there is immeasurable death and dying happening at the same time. And isn't, isn't that, that so real? That is what happens all the time, but we are faced with having to acknowledge it in, in a whole nother level. And so God, we ask for you to make your presence known. Let your spirit fill each of us and fill our communities in ways that we cannot deny. You are here. You are with us. God, we believe. Help us, Lord, to be your light and your love. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We have May here with us this morning. She is going to read our scripture. We are um, reading Psalm 116, Psalm 116, verses 5 through 14. And um, I asked May to read this morning, and she's reading from the Bible that Nikki gave her. So, Nikki, here you go. Thank you again. (laughs) Um, And she does actually read it now. I'm not lying anymore. All right, May, come on over, and you're going to read Psalm 116, verses 5 through 14. The Eternal is full of grace and naturally just. Our God is compassionate and merciful, and the Eternal watches over the naive. Whenever I was knocked down, He reached down and saved me. Oh, my soul, return and relax. Come to your true rest, for the Eternal has showered you with His favor. God, you alone rescued my soul from the grips of death, my eyes from weeping, and my feet from slipping. I will come before the Eternal as long as I journey in the land of the living. I believed your promise, therefore I spoke. I am in deep trouble. In my confession, I blurted out, all people are liars. 
How, how will I pay back the eternal for all his graciousness towards me? I will raise the cup of deliverance and call out the name of the eternal. I will fulfill the promises he made to him here as a witness to all of his people. Thank you, May. Can I keep the Bible so I can read back? Thank you very much. So Psalm 116. It's a it's a crying out to God. It's a it's a confession of gratitude and and um, forgiveness of sins. And it it really um, for whatever reason I can't always explain these things, but for whatever reason it really reminded me of my grandmother, as Scripture often does. And I, as I've been reading through this um, through the full chapter of one sixteen um, this past week, I have really had my grandmother on my mind. And one of the things that um, stuck out to me was the stories I would hear about my grandmother while she traveled. So my grandmother was a world traveler. She was married to um, my grandfather, obviously a man who was in the Air Force. And so she lived literally all over the world. Um, She had six daughters, my aunts, uh, my mother and my aunts. And um, some were born in Germany. Some were born in Japan. Some were born in Florida. (laughs) Um, And so she traveled with her husband, my grandfather, as part of the Air Force. But then when she retired, she also traveled and she would go with a group um, with her priest, Father Jim, as the one who kind of led that group. So the story goes that when grandmother traveled during her retirement years, even though she traveled with a group, she really never followed the rules. She typically, so typically, you know, when you travel with a group in a foreign country, that means you kind of stick together and you follow an itinerary or an agenda. And grandmother was not typical. While the group she was with would go from one tour spot to another, she would sit. I know grandmother would go along with a group when she wanted to. She would join in to see the attractions or she would go to hear concerts when it suited her, when it worked for her. But as it was told to me, grandmother spent most of her time, really, truly hours on end, sitting wherever the locals were gathered. One story that really sticks out for me was her last trip to Austria when she found a bench somewhere near a square and sat there for a full day, the, the entire day, she just sat on a bench near a square. And she remarked that was the highlight of her trip. Hearing these stories and knowing grandmother, I have to assume that when she traveled, she didn't want to visit. Grandmother wanted to understand She wanted to fully experience wherever she was by immersing herself in the day-to-day simple acts of life that would culminate into local culture. I expect that she, she wanted to know their life, really know an everyday person in that city. And so for her, sitting still and watching gave her the information that she was looking for. I have to tell you, I would love to be more like grandmother with just life. 
as somebody who experienced death at such a young age, I have understood how fragile life is from my very beginning. From a very young age, I have I've I've known how fragile life is. And from that understanding, I have honestly been on a constant search for how I can best seize life. I'll never forget going on a field trip with my high school English teacher, Miss McFather, and she would take groups down to Shakespeare's Tavern in Atlanta, but we would drive ourselves. I don't know that it was a school-sanctioned field trip. I think she just invited her English classes to go with her. And we would meet at her home, and before we left, she would give a speech about teenagers thinking that they're invincible, but that was no reason to drive recklessly down the interstate into Atlanta. And the one time that I went and stood in her driveway and heard her give this speech about don't drive recklessly, you really are not invincible, I thought, she is crazy. How could anyone feel invincible? Never in my life have I ever felt that way. I have always known with great pain how quickly life can be taken away, which means I have felt <laughs> an immeasurable amount of angst about number one, living life to its fullest. Life is so quick and so fragile. I want to make sure I get the most out of it. But two, I want to make sure I keep myself safe. So have I ever um, have I ever mentioned to you all that I struggle with anxiety and panic? <laughs> oh goodness! The other side of this is: Are you like me? And and have you ever have you always always heard words of caution? Words of caution against simply being an observer. If you really want to experience life, don't just watch play, people say. Don't let life pass you by by sitting on the sidelines. Get in the game, people say. Don't just sit there. Do something, people say. When we think about seizing life or living life to its fullest, we tend to jump straight to this image of a person wearing a backpack clearly in the middle of some sort of expedition while traveling or at least I do. That's that's the image that I come up with. And I've always struggled with the idea that if we want to fully experience life, if we want to really take life by the tail, we have to go and do. And I've always you know, wanted that, but going and doing makes me nervous. So we're living through this season where we're being asked to not go and do. And the truth of the matter is, a lot of us have stopped. A lot of us have have maybe not stopped, but slowed down. Those of us who are able to stay home, who aren't called into work. Um, Trish, I'm thinking about you here. You probably are still working an, an enormous amount of hours. And if so, um, holding you in prayer. For those of us who are able to stay home, I wonder if we've really allowed ourselves to stop. I am imagining not. I'm imagining that even though we aren't allowed to 
visit the same restaurants or go to the same hotels to travel or go to the same um, play places like we would always take the girls, we still are finding ways to keep ourselves busy at home. Are, are you doing that? Are you finding little projects to keep you occupied? Are you trying out new recipes in your kitchen? Are you, Nikki, going to record stores to buy new records? We ran into Nikki on the square. Are you doing things to still keep yourself living or what we would define as living? I'm, I'm guessing you probably are. And that's okay. There's, there's really nothing wrong with that. Um, I know that it's human and it's, it's what we've been taught to do to, um, to stay productive and to stay busy. But, you know, I'm wondering, I'm wondering what might happen if we took grandmother's approach to traveling as our own approach to living. What if... What if instead of really living life to its fullest meant actually being an observer, meant watching instead of doing? Because when I think about life as it was just six weeks or so ago, there was this constant rush and hurry and hustle and bustle and go and do. And as a pastor, as someone who, and I would imagine as groups of pastors, those of us who have been trying to guide in a spiritual way have always encouraged people to slow down. There's even a hymn, come away from rush and hurry. There's that whole be still and know that I am God. There are all kinds of spiritual references and books and practices that encourage us to to stop and slow down, but we never did. And even now that we are kind of being forced to, we still aren't. We're still trying so hard to, um, to go and do. And I'm wondering if that is what is keeping us if the going and the doing and the busy and the rush and hurry is what's really keeping us from living, even though we think it's what gives us life. What if real living came from sitting, watching, observing? I think about this in terms of our relationship with God, too. In one of the reflections I wrote recently, um, I can't remember if I recorded it. I know I wrote it. I know I posted it on Facebook. But at the very end of the reflection, I said something along the lines of, and we're allowed to visit with God any old time we want. And I, I kind of want to amend that statement a little bit, because I think what we have been doing up until this point, or maybe now even still, but I know for sure up until this point, what we have been doing is visiting with God. And visiting is good. It's okay. But is it enough? What if instead of 
simply visiting with God, like people tend to visit cities. You go into a museum and and you see, and you say something along the lines of, wow, that's wonderful, but then you walk away and move on. What if, what if we lived life by sitting still and fully noticing and watching and observing the way grandmother would sit in a city square? What if we took time to actually experience life, to actually experience God, the divine? We we want so badly to to um, put action to everything. And I guess if you really want to split hairs here and argue, we could say sitting is an action. And I, I, I get that, but, but stay with me. <laughs> and know that in so many different ways, Jesus taught us that real life real understanding of God doesn't come from just visiting God, doesn't come from one prayer. It's praying without end. It's being with God in the stillness and the sitting. See, I don't, I don't think you can get to the Psalm 16 level of prayer when you say things like, oh, my soul, Come to your true rest, for the Eternal has showed you, showered you with favor. God, you alone rescued my soul from the grips of death, my eyes from weeping, and my feet from slipping. I will come before the Eternal as long as I journey in the land of the living. I believed your promise. How will I pay back the Eternal for all his graciousness towards me? I will raise the cup of deliverance and call out the name of the Eternal. I will fulfill the promises I have made to him here as a witness to all his people. How can we really know God at that kind of level if we're not willing to sit and experience Instead of go and experience. What if this time, this season of life that we are all living through, that is unlike any season any one of us has ever known, what if this time that we are living through is is a time where we can learn that you really don't have to be busy to be alive or even to be productive? What if we really understood that stillness and floating And observing is where life 
really happens. I keep thinking about all of the songs and books and movies where the plot leads us to the moral at the end, where home really is where the heart is. Home is where the heart is. Those songs about the weariness of traveling, the books about going to the ends of the earth only to find the real place of life is where you started. The movies that are so endearing because someone finally finds that that search for whatever it is ends when you find your your place of home. If you are in a if you are actually taking <laughs> the suggestions of the CDC and other leaders seriously about other medical leaders seriously about staying home, maybe this can be our opportunity, our, our way to actually get to know God. And to actually get to know life at its base and most authentic level. And when we get closer to understanding divine, may the words come out of our mouth, the same words that came out in Psalm I will fulfill the promise I made to God here as a witness to all his people. That God is good. God is generous. God is alive. And God is accepting. And when we experience those things for ourselves, we can't help but tell others about them as well. And so I encourage all of us to sit, to stay, to watch, to observe, to get to know life and God and yourself. Amen.